He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our gospel reading from John chapter 14, where Jesus says, No one comes to the Father except through me. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, then, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the last couple of months, various things have been done to protect human life. I'm quite certain that those listening to this sermon have differing opinions on whether all of those things were necessary or not. But I am also equally certain that almost everyone listening to this sermon has taken at least some practical steps to protect other people's lives and whether they admit it or not, to protect their own. And if you have changed even one thing in your life, you have had to be rather intentional to do so, because the new way you're doing things is simply not your normal way of living. So if you're going to wear a mask, you have to remember to actually take that mask with you, and you have to remember to put it on. If you're going to remain socially distanced from everyone, you have to remind yourself of that when you come into a space where you normally interact quite closely. If you think there's information that needs to be shared with others, well, then you actually have to take the time to share that information, communicate it in one form or another. As I was thinking about all of this this week and reading our gospel lesson, it made me wonder something. Do we take such practical steps in order to guard the eternal life that Jesus offers to all? Are we as disciplined or intentional about that as we are about something that affects our earthly lives? I mean, forget the virus for a second. We take dietary theories and run with them all the time, making big changes in what we're buying at the grocery store. People who grew up when I did loaded up on a ton of carbs because the food pyramid told us that meat would kill us. Nowadays, bread is almost viewed as contraband in a lot of homes due to the newer dietary trends. Now, please don't send me messages after you watch this sermon about which dietary trend is right and which one is wrong and how you know, because that's not the point of the sermon, and if you did so, you'd only be making my point about how much we care about protecting our earthly life. We change our lives, indeed, a lot, based on what people theorize about various things. But often, we don't change our lives a whole lot on what we assert is objectively and eternally true, based on the Word of God. And when we don't do those things, when we don't make changes based on those truths, well, we show we ultimately don't value eternal life as much as we claim we do. Yes, we as Christians know that this life is but for a matter of years. But eternal life is for an endless parade of years. And yet we don't always show forth that conviction in our daily lives. Jesus says in our reading for today that he was going to leave earth in order to go and prepare many rooms for those he would come and gather on the last day. He then goes on to say the only people that are going to be able to join him and the Father there in those rooms are those who come to the Father through him. 
he says that he alone is the way, that no one will come to the Father except through him. Now that is a profound truth, that one can only enjoy eternal life with the Father if they come to him through the Son. Now I know that most of you listening to this this day know this truth, and I hope most of you believe it very strongly that you're not buying into the idea that there are other ways to end up in heaven. But if you believe it, what I want you to consider this day is this. What are the practical implications of that profound truth in your life? What should it mean for your day-to-day life, and what does it mean? To put it back in our current context, In order that you would not get sick or make others sick, you are doing things like washing your hands for a longer period of time than you would have imagined. You're making sure you don't touch your face as often as you would naturally. You're staying in or around your home a lot more often than usual. And you do all of this because either you believe or someone you value believes that this is what we must do. Indeed, we are taking practical steps because of our beliefs or the beliefs of someone else. But what are the practical implications of your belief that eternal life is even more important than this earthly life? And your knowledge that the only way to have that is through Jesus Christ. Let's begin by thinking about the implications of this for your own life each day. What does it mean for you personally to believe that eternal life is only available through Jesus? Well, I would ask you this. In this time, are you making sure that in your home, all of those that are in your home, those that you are responsible for, are actually gathering around Jesus? That they are hearing his word, that you're discussing what that means for your life each day? Are you praying to Jesus that he might get you through not only these days, but that he would give to you that eternal life that is his alone to give, that he would deliver you with that life one day to those rooms he has gone to prepare? Are you singing praises to him, knowing that even if the most destructive thing this earth could offer up was actually on the loose, well, that not even that could steal from you the kingdom that God has given you, the eternal life that he has given you to live in that kingdom. Surely our concern for eternal life, though, should also go beyond our own lives. Just like we say right now that most of the stuff we are doing is for others' health in order that they might not get sick or die, well, we as Christians should also have a concern for other people's possession of the eternal life that only Jesus offers. But here is where taking practical steps based on that truth perhaps is often most lacking. I mean, if you truly believe that your neighbor who lives next door will not be welcomed with you into those eternal rooms to dwell with the Father and the Son forever, but instead will suffer eternal torment. What ought you to do? What should that profound truth mean in terms of practical implications? 
I mean, in this regard, ultimately, there's only one silver bullet that God has given us to use, and that's the actual speaking of the gospel to that person who does not know it. Only that can actually bring salvation to them. But what practical steps could you take that might lead you to the opportunity to do just that, to share the gospel with someone else? During this time, I watched an online presentation that was largely about what churches should be thinking about as they reopen. But in the midst of that conversation, there was a pastor who was invited to speak about what he simply calls neighboring. It obviously reflects on Jesus's words to love our neighbor. I won't get you into everything he said, but what I do want to share with you today is just a simple thing he suggested. He suggested that perhaps the easiest way to love our neighbors is to first sit down and simply identify who are our eight sets of closest neighbors geographically. Is it eight people or eight family units that live in the same apartment complex as you? Is it eight people that live in your neighborhood or eight family units? Is it someone who lives on the farm down the country road and the person that lives after them? Well, he suggests we should be identifying those people in order that we might in the long term have a chance to love them. To love them in a uniquely Christian way by meeting their needs and eventually getting to share the gospel with them. I know right now, identifying those eight people might seem a little bit more challenging. Or if identifying them isn't hard, actually getting to know them, which is the next step, might be even harder. It's hard to figure out how you get to know someone when you can't stand within six feet of them. But even with that being said, there are still ways. You could still yell a hello across your yard to theirs, or you could pick up a phone and call them and just ask them how they're doing in this time. But even if you find it so hard to be able to figure out a way to get to know your neighbors in this time, well then I would encourage you simply to use this time to make that list of who those eight people or eight family units are. Identify them so that when things get a little bit more easy to move around, well, then you'll be ready to start getting to know them in order that you might love them by meeting their needs and by sharing with them Jesus. Yes, we want to share the gospel because we believe that only through the sharing of that gospel about Jesus Christ can one come to know the Father and spend eternal life in those eternal rooms that Jesus has gone to prepare. Yes, we should let the profound truths that we know have practical implication in our daily lives. For if they don't, others would be right to suggest that maybe we don't really believe those things as strongly as we should. As you know, in this day and age, in this time that we're living in, it is no doubt those who are most convinced of the danger of the virus that are taking the most practical steps to try to guard themselves and others against it. And in this sense, it should be the same among us in the sense that the more we actually believe the truths that God has revealed to us in the word, there should be more practical ways that people see 
that we believe that truth in our lives. So let us return today to God. Let us admit to him that often our lives, perhaps, do not match up with our beliefs as they ought. Let us admit to him that often people perhaps can see much more of a concern that we have for earthly life than they can see the concern we have for eternal life, both for ourselves and for them. Let us tell Jesus that we no longer want to walk in those old ways, but we desire to walk in newness of life. For that's exactly what he's promised to deliver to us. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, new life is yours to be lived out right now. We no longer have to be slaves to unrighteousness. No, we can instead be servants of our God, placing our mind on things above rather than simply keeping them locked into earthly things alone. We can put our mind on things like those rooms that Jesus has gone to prepare and will soon come to gather us into. For yes, he is coming soon, that is his promise, to take us to those eternal rooms, thanks be to God. He has forgiven us, and he has given us a life that knows no end. We have come to the Father through the Son, Jesus, and so we can sing our hallelujahs without end, both now and once we are gathered into those eternal rooms forever. Amen. Then may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.